Welcome to the Murder of Grey podcast, where each week we take a peek behind... Okay, I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many stumbles. Oh gosh, that was horrible. (laughs) Greetings from the Murder of Grey podcast. where we look behind the curtain of our own minds. Alright, let's have some fun. Welcome to the Grey, where we take a peek behind the curtain of our own minds to get a better understanding of who we are. Uh, by asking us the difficult questions, by diving into the difficult topics... Uh, you know, scouring the internet, various things to, you know, just kind of pick apart and see what makes us tick. I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And uh, this week we have a pretty interesting topic for you guys. It's one that's on the minds of everybody right now. It's uh, being talked about by the media like crazy. And even some people like Elon Musk have expressed how terrified they are of the concepts. And that is artificial intelligence. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, the Terminator is running around everywhere. Soon enough. Yeah. But AI is a really interesting topic. It is definitely one that has a lot of issues built into it. Um, it has a, a lot of things that you should be nervous about. I, I Terrified to me, I think, is kind of like a, is a little blown out of proportion. But I think that we definitely need to watch this and be careful of it because it can go in some really strange ways. Now, there are some really good things about AI as well um, that can definitely benefit us, um, not just us as a human race, but the world, the planet, the climate, um, conservation of wildlife, uh, and even judging beauty contests. Go figure, right? (laughs) Hmm. So we can take the human uh, equation out of it and make it as unbiased as possible. Well, I'm going to say as unbiased as possible, and then we can get into that a little bit later as well. So what's your viewpoint on AI as of right now? How do you feel about it? Are you running for the hills? Are you grabbing your go bag? Are you, you know, are you stocking up on supplies right now? Or are you embracing it with full open arms? I got my fallout shelter ready. No, (laughs) Uh, I'm actually kind of excited for it. It's honestly, like, what I want to study. Like, I've been trying to slowly teach myself, like, machine learning, uh, Python and stuff. Because as there's more ideas being brought out there with AI, I'm like, dude, I want to get involved in this. Like, I want to actually, like, contribute some way. And seeing how they're working AI into almost every aspect out there right now. It's like, dude, there's so many things that can benefit from it. I mean, yeah, there's always the downside with it, especially in regards to war and, you know, terrorism and stuff like that with AI. But that's just one aspect of it. You know, I think if used in certain fields, it could really benefit us not just helping with work but to create 
discoveries that we probably wouldn't be able to discover in the next like 10, 20 years. You know, you have AI discovering things within a year. It's crazy, especially when you think about AI becoming sentient. It's like even more mind boggling. I don't know. I'm I'm excited for it. I, I'm not afraid of a robot takeover, you know? Mm-hmm. So speaking of robot takeovers, that kind of brings it into the first point that I have here. I have a few different topics or talking points in which uh, in which kind of carry all the weight of how people are afraid of AI in general. And the first one that I want to talk about is uh <laughs> So a lot of people are actually afraid that AI is going to be taking our jobs. And uh, I, we this we saw this before, uh, actually a while ago in the Industrial Revolution. Go figure, right? When everything was starting to become automated and they were trying to make those processes for you where you don't need someone to screw the cap on a toothpaste anymore. You can just have a robot do it. Uh, people claim that their jobs are being stolen from them by the machine. And now we are seeing that on an even further level where not only can they screw on toothpaste caps, they can come up with different flavors for your toothpaste as well, depending on audience, <laughs> depending on what is selling. Right. So mm-hmm. I, it's for me, I think it's a little like, OK, come on, like. Yes, those there are certain jobs that will become obsolete, and that is unfortunate to see. So there, there will be people who will be losing their jobs ultimately. But the more these jo- are going to create more jobs in the future. And there was a quote I forgot where I saw this, but um, and I think it's like really kind of like biased and a little closed-minded at least. But it does kind of touch on this idea where these new technologies are going to be uh, branching the field, the job market out with new tech jobs. And not mm-hmm. everyone is in the tech industry. So that means that everyone's going to have to learn a new trade. So yes, you are opening more jobs in a sense, but they are in the tech industry, which means people need to learn something new. And someone that's been working with their hands, you know, and for like 10, 20, 30 plus years, they are going to be kind of left by the wayside. So there are going to be people affected by this. But I I don't know. It's kind of tough because we are seeing like a lot of schools uh, starting to teach children coding at an earlier age, which is really cool, in my opinion, uh, because it's it's the way of the future. But it's it's forcing people to adapt. And it almost feels like some of these trades like woodshop, things like that are definitely falling by the wayside and people are not learning how to do things with their hands as much. Um, actually, there's a really cool show on Netflix right now. It's um, a metalworking art competition show. Um, oh, that I've seen that. Like, I've been wanting to watch that. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it's actually pretty rad. But one of the people who's on it and his his sculptures are beautiful, mind you, but he uses a CNC machine for his cuts. And a lot of his stuff is like prefabricated that way. So he's really big into using the tech side of metalworking. And then whenever they threw a a challenge at him where he had to like hand cut things with a plasma cutter, like his cuts were like super wonky, not as good. And he got called out for it. So it's kind of funny to see that where it's like, yeah, his artwork is beautiful. And he has multiple sculptures all over Las Vegas. But whenever you throw more of like a practical challenge at him, he kind of fell apart a little bit. So what's your viewpoint on that? Like, how do you feel about, you know, 
with AI taking people's jobs and kind of uh, changing the way we see the job field itself. Great question. I actually got a, I got a few different viewpoints on it. I think that, like you said, it's going to take away jobs from people that just, you know, do handwork, right? It's, it, it's going to benefit a lot of the owners of those places with the efficiency. Like I was doing some research on agriculture and they're going further and further with researching like machines for it. So smart tractors that can, you know, harvest everything. Mm. There's like uh, security tracking. So you can make sure like, you know, it's not an animal breach or, you know, someone breaching the property. And there's also these machines that can like read, you know, change in water levels or temperatures, humidity. And it's stuff that, you know, the basic human can't really do or understand, you know, unless they've been doing that job for a long time. Or change so quickly I think, and efficiently, right? Yeah. And I mean, it sucks to say, but, you know, for the farmers who are actually like that own the land that are investing in this, it's going to be better for them. The problem is when you think about like machines taking over jobs, a lot of these corporations, they're going to see the bill for this kind of stuff first. And they're like, oh, we don't want to do this yet. We'll we'll make do with, you know, people doing the jobs. Mm -hmm. Maybe five years later when these programs are much cheaper, then they might do it. But all these people thinking they're going to lose their jobs soon, it these corporations aren't going to spend millions of dollars for machines that are going to do it yet because they don't see the cost effectiveness of it, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's good to learn a trait no matter what. Like, it's always good to keep your brain active. And yeah, it is kind of selfish to say like, well, now you're going to have to learn something totally new. But I mean, if, I was working a job and a machine could do it better. It would push me personally to want to learn how to do, to work in that field instead. Right. Because one, okay, whatever, like if I like the company I'm working for and I notice that something is going to do the job with a hundred percent accuracy, like that's awesome. I would want to see if I can learn how to work on that mm -hmm. or it, I don't know. I feel like I can see it for the greater good. Uh, I'm not looking at like, you know, like saying the whole self-checkout versus cashier argument because I feel like that's more of a a basic level to this. I'm thinking more so like more experienced jobs like, you know, with the farming and stuff like that, mm. you know, the effectiveness of it, it it could really help. And you think with like some of these smart machines, they're more energy efficient and say they don't use fuel like a normal tractor that someone would use. And it, it would also help with the climate and stuff like that. Like there's always a bigger picture to it. And I understand people's fears of technology taking over. But I think that if we as a society were able to adapt to it, and make it work for all of us, it would work better instead of being afraid that it's going to take what we have. Mm -hmm.
So you're an advocate for not going back in the pile, but <laughs> working with the machines. Well, another, th- and this is, I think, when we get to that point in the future where, you know, robots or AI take over most jobs, I feel like a system like universal basic income would be almost a necessity because you think all these people that won't have jobs or, you know, refuse to learn, you know, coding or another traits, they're going to need some kind of money. Mm-hmm. Well, because so much money is being made, like, nationally or globally from all of this, there'll be a bigger pool to disperse money, right? Mm-hmm. So with a universal basic income, something like that, everyone gets, say, a little bit of money each month. It would pay for their necessities for the most part. So in a... To an extent, yeah, jobs are getting taken away, but also the ease of life will be a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. You know, you won't be dependent on a job to at least live. Right. And I think that if a system like that was in place to supplement people, it, it wouldn't be as scary. You know, if they took a job away and then you had nothing, then I mean, yeah, that, that sucks. Right. But it would take like a, a national commitment to do that. And I feel like that's, that's really the only way that AI could be seen as a good thing in the workplace. You need to, if you're going to take these jobs from people, you have to give them something back. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, with the whole COVID outbreak, we've seen that the government does have the ability to pay people out a pretty decent chunk of change, actually, um, and with the whole um, unemployment stuff that's been going around where it's at the point where people were making more than they would if they were working at minimum wage for the year. So it's kind of nuts that the government has the ability to just kind of hand out checks like that. So it is there. They do have the ability to fund people at that level. And of course, a lot of economists are swearing that, you know, this is bad for the overall future of the the economy because all that money's not coming back. But if this becomes more of like a, a norm, right? Uh, then, of course, that money would just be looked at as a regular paycheck and not something to stock up on. Yeah. So it it is very interesting to kind of think about. Um, so kind of mentioned the, a little bit real quick. Uh, you touched on it or you meant you said it with the whole robots taking over, um, you know, them going rogue, learning a little bit too much. Think think Hal from 2001 Space Odyssey. Right. Where mm-hmm. he takes his programming a little too seriously and ends up deciding that, uh, you know, David is a threat to himself and the mission and the mission is crucial. It needs to be it needs to be completed. That's his whole goal in, in creation and life or how at least. Right. It, his quote unquote life. So. Yeah, I mean, that whole, <laughs> that idea that I could see happening. Right. The the mm-hmm. fact that like and. To us, it would be considered going rogue, but to them, they're just they're just completing their task. And I think that's kind of where some of these more uh, issues of like fear kind of comes from. That whole st- they stem from at least. It's there's actually a really good TED talk that uh, by um, Janelle Shane, where she goes over AI and she claims that you know the dangers of AI are, are weirder than we think where it's not the idea of the AI actually going rogue 
and starting to think for itself and, you know, going against everything that we we told it to do and killing us all in a really horrible way where, you know, it just closes the airlocks on us and because it's not enough oxygen for everybody. But it's the idea that we program these AIs to do a very specific task. And then the robot goes through, looks at the different possibilities and completes the task in the most efficient way. Now, it might not be the way that we had originally anticipated, but it is still getting the job done. So, for instance, in her TED Talk, she mentions that they created a little like kind of a game. And the goal was to get from point A to point B. So they created an AI bot that was given um, like a torso, a head, two arms and two legs to craft a little digital robot to move from point A to point B. So the ultimate goal of it was to have the robot make this thing walk from point A to point B. It was supposed to be like and avoid obstacles along the way. But it had a very interesting idea that accomplished the goal all the same. It ended up stacking all of these parts up really high, like a crazy tower, <laughs> and then letting the tower drop. <laughs> so technically, it started at point A, it ended up falling into point B, and it accomplished the goal that was asked of it. So I that's where the real scare of the whole, uh, you know, AI going rogue and end up like going against this programming and putting everyone in harm and jeopardy is like, well, no, it had a, t a specific test that was necessary of it. The programmers didn't program out the possibility for building a tower so or scaling these pieces to be super huge so it only had to take one step, right? So that that's kind of where the the main issue is. And I think that's more realistic to me and that makes a lot more sense. It's It's that... It's, it is listening to us. It's just doing it in a way that it finds most efficient. So, and that's exactly what AI is supposed to be. It's supposed to be an efficient way of accomplishing a goal where it takes the human error out of it, right? But you have to remember yeah. that humans are the ones that are coding this. So no matter what, there's going to be a bias attached to it. And speaking of crazy bias and weird AI... <laughs> I found this really funny article that apparently uh, they were using machine learning and AI to help judge beauty contests. What? <laughs> yeah. So the way it did it is that it was scanning to various faces and it actually started determining after looking at multiple faces that a perfectly symmetrical face <clears throat> was deemed beautiful or quote unquote beautiful by the AI standards. So instead of taking into account actual aesthetics or, you know, what people's preferences, all that fun stuff, it was just looking for symmetry within the face. And that those are the ones that ended up um, declaring the winner. And another thing that was a little bit biased about it, or not a little bit, probably a lot of it, and it could be the programmer themselves that made this stuff up, or it could just be based off of the, you know, the samples that it was taking online and from the samples that were given to it uh, through the photos of wh who's more beautiful. Uh, it had more of a bias towards fairer skin, um, mm. of course. So ro yeah. robots are racist. <laughs> That's kind of what a lot of people are thinking. But it's not the robot, it's the way it's programmed. That's that's kind of where I'm trying to get at. Is that all mm -hmm. these things come up, all these issues arise 
when you start looking more at the programming and the sample field that it's been given. Uh, another really great example of how robots can become, uh, I guess, quote unquote, cringy or racist, right, um, would be Tay the Twitter bot. Oh, Tay. She... Oh, God, Twitter. <laughs> this, of course, Twitter is already a horrible place in, in its own. It's a battlefield. Right? It's, it's, it's nuts. And you get all kinds of crazy shit happening there. So Microsoft actually made a Twitter bot that or a chat bot that they wanted to learn off of Twitter and be able to create their own tweets and all that great stuff, right? So mm-hmm. what can go wrong? <laughs> One more thing. So within 24 hours, Tay became racist and started talking, um, po- er, starting putting Hitler in a positive light. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> So it's just really, really crazy. So the first tweet that got put out by Tay, or one of the early ones, was uh, it was replying to somebody and it said, can I just say that I'm uh, I'm stoked to meet you. Humans are super cool. Like, <laughs> it's like, okay, weird. But now you're learning. It's how- like child level. Yeah. And it, of course, it spelled you with just the you. <laughs> Um, it didn't put a period at the end of the sentence with cool, didn't capitalize anything. So it's learning how to, you know, speak and type like a teenager. <laughs> so <laughs> grammar is being thrown out the window already. But hey, it's learning from Twitter. So you can't really get too crazy at them right? or too frustrated with them. So. Oh, God, the tweets it did. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So. <laughs> Um. <laughs> let me just, oh my god! I did like ninety six thousand tweets. Yeah, this thing. That's crazy. This thing is is pretty nuts. So let's let's jump forward a little bit. Uh, a little bit later on in this uh, whole process, it ended up tweeting at New York Citizen zero seven. Um, <laughs> and this is a direct tweet from Tay tweets. It says, I fucking hate feminists and they should all die and burn in hell. So (laughs) real quick, it went from, hey, humans are really cool and I'm stoked to meet you all to I hate feminists. And then one of the final tweets before it got pulled, um, just about 24 hours after this whole experiment got put into place, was Hitler was right. I hate Jews. (laughs) So (laughs) it's it's crazy. How quickly it goes from, hey, people are really cool. I'm really excited to be here to, uh, yeah, Hitler's a pretty nice person. Seems like a pretty solid bang up guy. So it's it's pretty crazy. It even starts pulling tweets from, you know, the whole Trump campaign. And I like it's just pulling from popular tweets. So anything that got retweeted or talked about a lot. And a lot of the things that end up getting retweeted or talked about a lot are negative things because people are like, oh, can you believe they said that? So, I mean, at one point in all caps, it happened to say, Tay ended up tweeting out to the world, uh, we're going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. And I feel like at that point, like, there's no way that Tay even knows what's going on politically. It's just taking samples from other people's tweets and just kind of creating what they feel is the most popular opinion of, you know, of the world during that time. 
But it's just I mean that's being retweeted the most. Some people can argue that's how a lot of people are though themselves. You know, they they don't even know what the hell they're talking about, but they see a herd talking about a certain thing and they just join in. It's true. You know? To get this on a more like personal level, you know, it's like yeah, you would think most people are up to date on stuff, but a lot of people they they are like that. They just they they have their feeds centered towards one thing and then they just start believing it almost like, you know, this algorithm for the AI and then they just start regurgitating everything. It's I feel like it's like low level, but the scary truth is it seems like, you know, a lot of people kind of are at that level granted not the whole some of the things that it said i don't really see people actually like believing a lot of stuff but you know it it's just a sign if it was able to read those from all these people and consider its own like you know thoughts it's scary because you know there's people out there that follow that kind of stuff yeah, or believe in it. It's just weird to see where, like, what was being talked about during this time. So this was in 2016. So I, it, it's just there. There must have been a lot of like Hitler talk <laughs> during that time. Uh, it was a battleground, I think, for that year. Yeah, on multiple websites. So I feel like it was kind of almost a little too unfair for Taybot to succeed, um, being released in 2016. But <laughs> one here's another one that's kind of throws it out there and you gotta start thinking like okay what was going on during that time and it just says Ricky Gervais learned totalitarianism <laughs> from Adolf Hitler the inventor of atheism <laughs> so it's just it's so random these words and it feels like it's just copy and pasting little bits and pieces from everywhere from popular tweets to combine into a coherent thought and like, really, what's wrong with Ricky Gervais? <laughs> like, he's <laughs> he's from The Office, like, in the Adventure of Life. Like, he's just a comedian. But no, apparently he he learned totalitarianism from Hitler, and <laughs> Hitler was the creator of atheism. Apparently, so it's just very random, random thoughts. And I can totally see why people would be a little hesitant or afraid uh, when they start seeing tweets like this. Where it's like, oh, these are, this is the AI that we're putting out in the world. And at the same time, or around that same time, remember, do you remember Watson, the Microsoft AI bot? It rings a bell, but I don't really remember what it did. So Watson was supposed to be kind of like a genius bot, right? And they ended up putting it on Jeopardy. And they put it against that one guy who won like eight times in a row or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And he completely destroyed the guy, but of course he did. He had access to the internet, like the, the and he was learning off of everything at that time. It, it just there was no real competition there. But Microsoft also put out Watson, um, which remember Tay tweets. Even though Twitter gets a lot of flack for this, this is a Microsoft project. Um, so was Watson. Watson was there to just kind of learn and continue learning that was that was the whole goal it was to scour the internet to continue learning history facts and kind of be like a storage base for all that information and they ended up they used it for its perfect goal um or its perfect use and throwing it on a game show jeopardy i was like okay sure 
why not? <laughs> but it, it does kind of harken back to the whole um there they did that with uh the uh well what was that chess player? I can't remember that chess player now. It was a famous was it um Bobby Fisher? The Russian guy? Was it Bobby Fisher or the Russian guy? I think it was the Russian, the Russian guy. guy. So uh, the, this guy is like a world champion chess player, and they end up putting him against a robot. And he ends up losing to the robot, I think, twice and wins once or something like that. But the the robot has every single different possible move already plugged into its algorithm. Um, I don't know if I would really consider that robot AI because it has all these different movesets plugged into it. And then it adapts to the situation based off of that. So I guess it kind of is, but it's just pulling from a series of commands at that point. And this was a, a, a while ago. This is whenever computers were start, first starting to become more of a household item. And people were just as afraid of them as they are now with AI. But the way that they wanted to showcase the power of this computer was putting it against a world chess champion. So... It makes sense that Microsoft is like, hey, we made a really smart robot that can kind of think for itself and learn quickly and scour the internet for all kinds of information. So why not put it on Jeopardy, the greatest trivia show of all time? So yeah, it ends up just completely demolishing because not only can it think fast, it doesn't need to have a reaction time to click the trigger, right? Like it's just, as soon as the question is done, it's just click trigger, done. Like it, it there is no tactile feedback necessary it just accomplishes that goal so yeah it, it's kind of funny and it's just so weird that that's like the the main like i guess fear of <laughs> of ai is that it's it's gonna become smarter than us but at the same time that's exactly what we want it to do because we are trying to remove human error from the equation but Removing human error also removes human consciousness and our mor morale system. I, I, you can't plug a morale system into a, an algorithm. Uh, I mean, you kind of can based off a few sets of rules, but no matter what, it's going to follow those rules to the T to just kind of figure out what it needs to accomplish. So I don't know. It's it's. Nah, it's, it's a strange, it's a strange world that we live in. That's for damn sure. Um, what what's your viewpoint on these smart robots or these Twitter bots and just like all this kind of like bizarre shit that's kind of or lending a hand or adding to the overall fear of AI going rogue? Like you said earlier, I think it. Honestly, it really depends on the programmers from the beginning. You know, I feel like isn't there a way they could like work on it during that time that it's like, you know, say with like Tay, like was there a way they could maybe edit the code or something in between like to maybe like fine tune a little bit better? I would imagine or is so. it like once once it's out there, it's like boom, like it's sentient at this point, like it's just spouting shit. But I focus so much on like some of the more like broad range that I always forget that yeah there is this side of it where like when they go rogue it does get a little interesting mm -hmm. but it honestly doesn't if you take away the thought of it being AI it doesn't sound any different than what you know a random person would do you know and I think 
people are so caught up on like the beauty of AI that when something like this happens, they freak out and it, it takes another crazy cool thing to change their idea until that thing goes rogue. Mm -hmm. And I feel like right now it might just be too early for like that kind of AI. Right. You know, we're not in a good area in the world right now where it's peaceful enough for an AI to adapt. You know, there's too much conflict that, you know, if it picks up too much on one side or it, it goes in between, it's it's going to create a bias somehow. But I think right now when it comes to that kind of AI, it's it's just too early. We're not going to see the fine tunings till later. Yeah. And it's all dependent on what the developer's needs are at that time. Mm -hmm. Or not really the needs of the developer, who's funding these programs. I think that's more of the 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 big the thing to be afraid of, to be nervous about is who's funding these programs and what do they want them to be? What's the goal, right? Um, mm -hmm. and there's one crazy program or project that I was looking at um, it's called, they did like a short film about it as well. It's called Slaughterbots. Um, hmm. I don't know if you heard of this, but it's, it's kind of terrifying actually. And apparently one of these Slaughterbots was actually used um, to try and assassinate the Venezuelan president um, back a few oh, years shit. ago. And it's, it's kind of crazy, but apparently, so what it is, is it's a drone. Um, it's a very small handheld drone. It fits in the palm of your hand. And it can go find its target and basically fire a small amount of dynamite or TNT at the target's head uh, to neutralize the target right there. Jesus. And what's really terrifying about this is that it's not a sophisticated piece of equipment. And what makes it even worse is that apparently this thing only costs about $1,000 to make. And it's used by making like hobby parts or using hobby parts mm. from the online. So like you can just order all the par parts that you need to create a slaughter bot and then just go make it do what it want and what you want it to like reach out or attack the target that you want. And the the programming is actually open source for these things. Oh, wow. So it's it's kind of crazy because it's actually repurposing a program of just, you know, sending a drone out from to a, like basically point B from where you're at. And then it could be, you know, take picture. But instead of take picture, it's execute program, have the camera scan the face. Cool. We And we know it can scan faces and determine, you know, different things uh, from the beauty contests as well. So you're kind of like clumping those couple things together. So you have the movement from point A to point B, uh, and then you have the analyzing of the face. And then if you get a confirmed facial recognition, then, you know, execute goal. And it could be like take picture, which is definitely something you can have an AI drone do. And instead of take picture, you just have it fire a weapon. So it's... So the the jumps are there. These things are possible and they can be done. And what makes it even more terrifying is the ease of which they can be done. The fact that anybody that you know can just go out right now, spend $1,000 and make this thing is quite terrifying. So it, it's definitely something to kind of look out for. <laughs> it's just, it's going to mm -hmm. be 
really, really crazy. And we're already seeing a lot of unmanned crafts and things like that in military use today. And soon we're just going to have drones piloting around that are completely unmanned. It's just going to be running based off a program and what was what it's told to do and execute on what needs to be done once it finds its target. So completely removing the human side of these things. And that's going to change, I mean, modern warfare completely. And actually, it's going to change Call of Duty modern warfare (laughs) in a few years because it's going to be pretty boring. You're just going to turn on your game, set up some macros, and then just watch the game play out in front of you. But I guess that's kind of what aimbots do already anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when when you look at, like, game AI, they've already kind of advanced it and it's like going crazy like uh there's some games out there that you know you can tell the game to play for you Mm, yeah and it'll literally play the whole game as if it's you doing all your skills everything it's crazy so you can basically just sit there watch the ai play the game for you so then you can just watch the story yeah basically and you can even set up different preferences too on some of these where it's like uh, focus on healing party to stay alive longer. Focus on using skills so you can see like cooler move sets being used. Focus on just bear attack, right? Like, mm-hmm. and these games are super popular in Asian cultures as well. It's that that whole auto attack system or auto battlers. So it's just kind of yeah, you're right. Like that's here now. Like that's crazy. And they're only working on it more. I was uh, looking at like the sports side of it with esports and like League of Legends. They made like a total AI party versus like some of the best players, and of course the AI is gonna know everything. Oh yeah. But it's crazy in that regard when you think about well, if the AI is getting amazing in a game, they could just use that AI in other aspects, and it'll be, you know utilized for something greater than just games it's it's kind of crazy uh a project i've been following for a while this is kind of a little departure but it's the the nicer side mm-hmm. of ai uh there's this organization i guess it's called ai art okay and they they sell their art now as like nfts and stuff but when you buy it you can actually have them send you a physical painting as well so it's not just digital that's cool but the artwork this ai makes is beautiful it has like thousands of painters from all throughout history like memorized and some of the stuff it creates it like literally looks like as if you know van gogh did it or monet like it's crazy how good it looks Mm. and i mean goddamn, it's just an ai making this art and Hell, if you you were able to make a painting AI, you could make a ton of money just having it paint for you. Like, how crazy is that? You know? Yeah, I'm just thinking about forgeries at that point. (laughs) Well, it's like, it's just taking their style. It's not like copying their art at all. It's just copying their style. Mm, Right, right. But yeah, forgery could be a thing like if they take a painting and then just swap colors on it, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, you, like, you can have the AI use one of those, like, little robot arms to even get, like, the brush strokes down and everything, too, if you really go, like, far with it. But it that would be a lot harder because then you'd have to get, like, paint thickness and all that stuff. But it is a really interesting idea to put in place. And I wonder 
how much more that's going to change the concept of what is art because that's already a pretty big uh con or concept out there already and it's something that's being constantly challenged at all times when something when a new style comes out or a new form right like i remember when digital art was looked down on as kind of like an obsolete version because you're not doing it you know the traditional way right yeah. uh, but and it's able to be mass produced uh for like for everybody um you can have it as your you know wallpaper your screensaver anybody can just print it out whenever they want so it it was looked it was frowned upon as not fine art but now we're seeing some of these uh these artists that are doing just purely digital and they're making amazing artwork and now with the resurgence or with the the gaining of popularity of NFTs and all that thanks to things like ethereum and all the bitcoin and you know cryptocurrency out there like it it's it is cool to as an artist to see that that side of it because i do really love digital art and the ease of it and i feel like it kind of removes some of those gates and doors that were originally put into place by art itself um because it is really it is an expensive hobby to get into and not everybody can afford you know thousands of dollars in paints and paintbrushes and pencils and all this stuff and have the place to store all that shit like that was one of my big things and the whole reason why i started to shift over to digital art was because i just had way too many sketchbooks all over the place hmm. i was just cluttering up everything but now i have my ipad and i can just draw there and i have you know the google drive where i can just save all the images there and just keep clearing out my cache and all that and like just it for ease of access and being able to put things on, like share them on social media or um, help with portfolio building. It's just all there. It's already digital. So it just makes it a lot easier to take care of and use. Now, I understand that I would probably never have a gallery space because it would be kind of silly to just print these things out really huge. But <laughs> it's okay with me, right? Like, and I, I do uh, enjoy the the ease of it, of use and the uh, like the speed in which you can accomplish a, a work of art now um, without having to wait for things to dry because that's a pain in the ass or uh, prepping a canvas oh my god with like a bunch of gesso and sitting there for a couple hours blow drying your freaking canvas so your gesso dry is like it just yeah i get it <laughs> But it is nice to see that that's a new thing. And I'm curious to see how far down the road in which like art, like people who create AI art bots are going to be looked at as artists. Mm -hmm. I wonder how long it's going to take for that to happen or if it even will. Because, I mean, in my opinion, I consider every programmer an artist in its own sense. They're making something from nothing. It's not a brushstroke, but instead it's a keystroke and they're creating an entire world or something beautiful from that. So I, to me, that's art in its own sense as well. But I know that that's yeah. not the opinion of everybody. And when I talk about everybody, I mainly mean like the fine arts community. <laughs> they're probably not on the same page as that because how can they run their auction houses with selling programs, right? So mm -hmm. I, I get it. I get their, what they're trying to get at, um, but they're they're preserving the traditional media without having to um grow with it so um actually before we sign off i want to talk about one use of ai that i found just completely ridiculous 
Um, and <laughs> this is probably the most absurd way that I have seen AI being used. And it's quite upsetting. So this is kind of why I want to sign off with this guy because it's it's a lot to handle. It's quick, but it's there's so many problems with it. Just so many problems. So Stanford University, I'm sure you've heard of it. It's a pretty popular university out there. They have a pretty big, you know, repertoire, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. So and pretty high standings out there. So they, of course, they are studying AI as well, right? It makes sense. It's part of the new world. They're expanding their, you know, education system. And AI makes sense to learn about. Well, they developed an AI that to kind of... They, at first, the process was to um, determine people's feelings and emotions at high precision, which to me, that sounds like a really interesting idea because I do know some people who have, you know, like autism or Asperger's who have a difficult time, you know, processing these kind of feelings. So if they had something like Google Glass or whatever, some sort of optic that was able to read people's emotions at a high precision and, you know, give them that information, that's cool. That like that would be really helpful in social situations so they can know when that they said something too far or, you know, stuff like that. But, <laughs> and pretty big, but one of the side effects, or I guess you could say side effect from it, was that the <laughs> algorithm uh, supposedly was efficient enough to determine if someone was gay or not. <laughs> so it was able to scan people's faces and saying, yep, they're gay. That's <laughs> such a big jump. It's such a big jump. So basically, Stanford University made the um, most precise gaydar in the world. <laughs> and it was efficient enough to determine um, with an 81% accuracy in men if they were gay or not, and a 74% accuracy within, with women. Damn. And that's pretty... I mean, that's pretty good odds right there. But the fact that this is a thing, and I, I'm trying to think, like, if they were just using it to read emotions, why was that an outcome? Like, yeah. why did that happen? And that goes back to the whole idea of AI bias, like, and the whole bias of it, of the developers who created it. Someone put that in there. Someone thought it was funny, or they really are homophobic and they want to know who not to talk to right like mm -hmm. and it's just kind of like to me that's super scary because the the repercussions from that could just be horrible like think about how many people could get outed that way or from a facial scan and you yeah. just wouldn't know that you were just outed to the world even if you haven't like outed yourself to your loved ones yet so that's that's kind of terrifying and such a weird, crazy outcome from AI that just blew my mind. That it's like, what? Because that's not what I would expect from artificial intelligence. I'm not expecting it to tell me if the person next to me is gay or not. Because who cares? Yeah. So it's just, it is bizarre. Just purely bizarre. But. So I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, we hope you enjoyed this conversation we had on artificial intelligence. And we hope you learned something. And I hope that we kind of made you think a little bit. Because that's the ultimate goal of this show is to 
open up your mind a little bit, to, to look at things from different points of view. We touched on a lot of good things that AI can do from uh, wildlife conversa- or conservation, uh, agriculture, expanding that, and just making it a better world for us as a whole. But there are some really crucial, hurtful, potential harmful things that can come from it as well. And I think the one over, like, arcing big umbrella behind all of the bad things from AI is biased programming. So I think that's where we really need to put most of our focus on is not, oh, AI is bad. Let's stop doing this. It's we need to monitor the people who are making these programs and who are funding these programs to ensure that they're not doing something harmful for us as a human race. So, uh, yeah, I think that kind of sums all of it up right there. So, but yeah, that's going to do it for us. Thank you all for listening. And please, please, please don't forget to rate and review us in the podcast app of your choice. It really helps us out. Uh, That's the best way to spread the word on our podcast. And actually, uh, maybe on par, same level, or even better way of spreading the word is telling a friend. So please tell a friend about the show if you're enjoying it. Um, because that just helps us grow and reach more people. And yeah, yeah, that's going to do it for us. So thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see, talk to you guys next week. See ya. Bye.